Welcome to the Ringer NFL show. I am Nora Princiati. On today's show, we've got Danny Heifetz. Danny and I are going to be discussing the Carson Wentz trade, the big news of the day, the Eagles sending Carson Wentz to the Indianapolis Colts. It's a great show. Hope you enjoy it. All that's up next. All right. It is Thursday. I am here with Danny Heifetz. We are doing an emergency episode because Carson Wentz has been traded by the Philadelphia Eagles to the Indianapolis Colts. The Eagles get in return a third round draft pick this year, a conditional second round draft pick next year that can become a first round draft pick if Carson Wentz plays more than 75% of the Colts snaps or more than 70% of the snaps and the Colts make the playoffs. So this was a move that had been predicted or was in the works for a while, but now it is here. This offseason of quarterback movement is underway. Danny, what are your thoughts? Holy crap. Heck yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we knew this was going to happen, right? But I think, first of all, it's just, you know, there's a lot going on in America right now. A lot of snow. Nice to just not have to think about some things. But Snow and quarterback trades. That's what we exactly. do in February of 2021. No, this, this kind of blew my mind because I think the first place that my mind went was I thought about Howie Roseman, the Eagles GM who did an interview. I think it was like a few weeks before they signed Carson Wentz to that big contract extension. It was in 2019. And he said, we go as Carson Wentz goes. But like we think as the, the Eagles go as Wentz goes. And then after they signed him to that deal, which was more than like a hundred million guaranteed, the owner, Jeffrey Lurie said, and I'm quoting now Zach Berman from the athletic threw this quote out there on Twitter today. Jeffrey Lurie said, whether it's leadership, poise, the desire to be really, really good, if not great, attention to detail, smart, face of the franchise in so many ways, Carson, it's how you draw it up. And when you got the GM and the owner saying that Carson Wentz is the face of this franchise and the franchise goes as he does, that was like 20 months ago. <laughs> and now they're taking the biggest dead cap and hit in NFL history. They're eating $33 million for him to go play for someone else. Right. And this is the second time this offseason after the Jared Goff, Matthew Stafford trade, where one of those quarterbacks drafted one, two in that class. The team that drafted them has been willing to eat a lot of dead money for them to play for someone else. And now, of course, in the Rams case, they get Matthew Stafford in return. And that's more about upgrading at the quarterback position. This literally for the Eagles is about a reset. Presumably, Jalen Hurts is the most likely Eagles starter next season, but it is not, he is not a shoe in It sounds as though they will bring in competition for him, either through the draft, either they can get in the who's going to give Ryan Fitzpatrick his next $10 million contract game, which I love to play, or they can figure it out somehow. Hertz is still an unknown quantity. He showed some flashes in those last four games that he played last season, but they are in the great unknown in Philadelphia without the obvious franchise quarterback. Indianapolis, to me, is navigating what should be this great unknown post-Andrew Luck's retirement, where they were left in the lurch at the most important position really, really smartly. And it is so impressive to me what they've managed to do because the Colts should sort of be a disaster. I've talked about this a few times, and it's just, it's so interesting to me because they should be kind of a disaster. Like, if, if the coach you want leaves you in the lurch. If the quarterback that you thought you were going to win multiple Super Bowls with suddenly retires, you shouldn't stay competitive. Those should be franchise rocking events that really screw them up. 
It seems, though, all they really need is mid-level quarterback play and the Colts are a playoff team. I think that they get that in Wentz, more likely than not. Now, he is reunited with Frank Reich, who he had his all-pro season in 2017 with. I don't think that, you know, we're going to hear the phrase return to form a lot about this trade. What is that form is sort of my question. 2017 form? I don't think so. I doubt, I doubt he will get back there. But the most important thing is that change of scenery, coach he knows well, if they can rebuild his confidence, because Carson Wentz, he had mechanical problems, he had problems with his footwork, but everything he was doing wrong, and there was a lot of that this season, seemed to me to be connected to a total deterioration of confidence. And maybe that's injuries. Maybe that's the injuries at offensive line that they had. Carson Wentz was sacked 50 times last year, which was the most in the NFL, and he didn't play a full season. So rebuilding that is the most important thing that the Colts have to do. How do you see this for them, Danny? Well, I think you're right. Rebuilding offensive lines is so 2019, and I think so 2021 is rebuilding confidence. So there you go. That's the real rebuild that we all need. But I think to your point, I think it's important to remember that the two parties in this deal know more about the situation than anyone else. I think there's a reason he went to the Colts. It's just, I mean, Frank Reich, who's the coach of the Colts, obviously he was the offensive coordinator for when Wentz had his MVP or near MVP season. He probably knows more about what's wrong with Wentz than the freaking Eagles do. There's a reason the Colts are the team that swooped, swooped in here. And then the Eagles, again, I think that you can read the tea leaves. They are paying all this money or accounting all this money Wentz to go away. And I think that it's not so much analyzing this trade. I don't see this as an L for the Eagles, right? I don't. The L for the Eagles is that this is a sunk cost. The Eagles, right? Howie Roseman brings like this kind of finance perspective to the Eagles and he runs his team. You know, the, how much, how often have we talked on this podcast and Kevin has hammered this home that the Eagles have a analytical, almost like a hedge fund like approach, you could say, to running this team. And that they were so smart in the run-up to the Super Bowl. It's not like they just got dumb all of a sudden. You know what I mean? They're not stupid. I think that what's going on here is they made a massive investment. And then Jeffrey Lurie and Howie Rosen looked at each other and said, holy shit, we screwed that one up. Oh, my God. And what do good organizations do? Do good organizations just not make mistakes? Of course not. Everyone makes mistakes. Good organizations move on from mistakes faster and more emotionlessly than other teams. The Patriots make more mistakes than any team because they try more stuff and they move on when it doesn't work. I think that this is the pain here is that they wrote off. They, it's, this is a write down. They wrote off their franchise quarterback as a sunk cost. That sucks. With that said, I think that this deal kind of makes sense for them because I mean, it sucks to have to, again, writing off your quarterback as that's, a sunk cost. Yeah, that's an L. That's a huge L. I take but, your point. They're taking an L here. What they're oh, trying not L. to do is take a second L because they're taking exactly. because they're unwilling to take the first L. There is once the in, 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 trade grades and all this stuff. Is it an A? Who won the deal? It depends on what you're valuing the asset as. And I hate to talk about human beings as assets, but that's what's going on here, right? The contract is the asset. The Wentz, Wentz as once was a franchise quarterback. The one we saw from a few years ago is here, but the Eagles internally have devalued him, look at him as that's a sunk cost. And so they're moving on. I think this is a solid deal, right? They're not refusing to let past mistakes make, allow them to make more mistakes. That's what the Texans keep doing, right? That's what bad organizations do, trying to, making more mistakes to cover up your past ones. Because now they have options. They, I mean, everyone 
hated when they did the, the tanking thing, right? Week 17, they lost that game. Nate Sudfeld, Wentz was inactive. Guess what? That was a huge deal, right? Because now instead of the 11th pick, they got the sixth pick. They were in range to draft someone. They can use these picks that they just got from the Colts to trade up, and they can get, obviously, Trevor Lawrence is not on the table, but whether they like Justin Fields or Trey Lance or Zach Wilson, they can go up and get one of those guys. It depends who they internally like. But because they have Jalen Hurts, they're not desperate. No team's going to be able to hold one of those quarterbacks for ransom and hope to get all these picks back from the Eagles because they don't need a quarterback. They probably want a quarterback. And that's where I think that this all comes back around is that this is a write down, but they're still in a good position to move forward because the Jalen, like Harry Roseman said last year in April after they drafted Jalen Hurts that they want to be a quarterback factory. And he said he regretted that comment because it seems Wentz took it personally. He regrets the comment. But he doesn't regret the mentality. It's not like the quarter, the cult, the Eagles no longer want to be a quarterback factory. And this I think is that the, this is the franchise that calls their backup quarterback not a backup quarterback, but the second quarterback exactly. because they assume that he's going to play. And I think the fact that Hurts gives them this flexibility now means they're not going to roll with just Hurts. They're going to add someone else, and they're going to keep doing a factory thing. So I think that the the, the trade's fine for them. The, the bad parts they had to call their franchise quarterback a sunk cost, which was the biggest investment they'd ever made as a team. So that sucks. So, you are Howie Roseman. It's I not have draft been for years. Yet. I've never told anyone. <laughs> An illustrious guest on this podcast. You are Howie Roseman. Welcome to the Ringer NFL show, Howie. It is the lead up to the draft. It's not draft night yet. But your intel is telling you that there is likely to be a run on those top four quarterbacks. No sure bet that any of those guys are still going to be on the board at six. What are you thinking? In that spot. Are you thinking, great, this is an opportunity for us to get a premium player at a skill position, at a different position, who's not a quarterback. And we will figure that out. We will make sure that we take some throws at the dartboard, but we don't need one of those guys. And this means that someone really, really talented is going to fall into our laps. Or are you thinking, we need someone else. I need to think about veteran quarterbacks. I need to think about the level of competition that we have available for Jalen Hurts. Well, I mean, since I'm Howie Roseman, I mean, obviously you're spending so much money to get rid of this Wentz deal. You need cheap quarterbacks, right? You need the rookies. So can I tell you a scoop since I'm Howie Roseman? Can I give you a scoop, Yeah. Nora? So the scoop. When I said scoop the quarterback, me, Howie. Let's go. When I said I wanted the Eagles to be a quarterback factory, what I actually meant was I wanted the Eagles to be a, quarterback, a North Dakota State quarterback factory. And that they're going to replace Carson Wentz with Trey Lance. That's that's the secret. That's what that's the new money ball. That's what we figured out. It's just North Dakota State quarterbacks. That's what we want. That's who the Philadelphia Eagles are. We're going to go get Trey Lance. That's what Howie and, Roseman, me, thinks. And in your heart of hearts, Howie, and we're not going to hold you to this, <laughs> but who wins that battle? Trey Lance or oh, Jalen We're Hurts. getting too ahead of ourselves now. I think that the point is that they can move up to get one of the guys if they want, but they don't have to. And that's good business, right? You want options. You want an out. You want to not be, have to be forced into doing anything. And that's the Eagles. I'm not going to say they're in a good position because this is a bad day for the Eagles. But, you know, not to be the whole Phoenix ashes thing, like it's a bird thing. I don't want to hit the metaphor. But there is a pretty easy path for them to come out of this with a good with, with, with a good situation. of Do they have Hurts? Do they have this, whoever they draft at six? Or do they trade up and get a quarterback? They have options. A lot of bad teams don't have any options. I mean, the Jaguars played Gardner Minshew for like more than one season. It's insane. So I think that they're in a good spot here. I think that considering how much of an L they took, I think that there is a certain pride in what you're seeing with these teams who are not committing to 
mediocre quarterbacks. Like the Rams regretted Jared Goff. Obviously, he went one pick before Wentz. They're, you know what? That was a mistake. The Eagles are making mistakes. I think that teams are now more willing to move on from mistakes faster, which is good because it's there's nothing about life is about avoiding mistakes entirely. That's impossible. It's can you admit you made a mistake, right? The first step of admitting a problem is saying you have a problem. The Eagles had a problem with Wentz. That's important. And so it's crazy they blew up this team from a Super Bowl from three years ago, but they did what had to be done. And a lot of teams don't have the courage to do what has to be done. The Lions had Matt Millen as GM for like eight years. Can you imagine that? The headline I'm taking from this is Danny Heifetz, as Howie Roseman says, this was a good day for the Eagles when yes. they take the largest dead money hit in the history of the what NFL. Do you, what do you think's happened to Howie Roseman, the fathead that he had of Carson Wentz in his office? Where do you think that is right now? Do you think that they snuck it into maybe it was at the Super Bowl. Maybe they put it they put the cardboard in the stands of the Super Bowl and then they're just gonna let it oh, float just, off into the ether and see what happens. Just to put that. it out to sea and let it, yeah. Just spread spread it to the four winds. That makes a lot of sense. I think the, it's gonna be recycled and reincarnated as a cereal box or a North Amazon Dakota State quarterback. So maybe it'll just become a Trey Lance fathead. So okay, so question for There's you. There's a Colts. really hold on, now that we're talking about cardboard. There's a really mean joke about Carson Wentz's ACL to be made here, oh and I am not going to make it. Well, you I kind of time. already did. You can't just bring it up and be like, well, I'm a big person, so I won't bring it up. You just brought it up. That's not how it works. That's the trick, Danny. That's the trick. That's what you do. You say, oh, nice I'm trick. not going to say that because I am too kind for that. It's but only now, a trick if I don't know how you did it. Anyways, the question of the Colts, you think, you think the Colts fixed Wentz? Seriously, like, do you think, how much better is he than Rivers? I don't know that he's better than Rivers. He certainly really? Philip Rivers last year, yes, going forward because of their age, of course, Philip Rivers was done. But the level of quarterback play that Philip Rivers gave the Colts last season was not bad. The level of yeah. quarterback play that Carson Wentz gave the Eagles last year was terrible. Yeah, but I, I just, I can already see myself buying into this narrative. Like, it's 2021. You know what I'm really going to enjoy in the summer of 2021? People being like, 2020 was bad for me, but I'm ready to rebound. I will eat up every narrative, every athlete who had a bizarre, inexplicable mental breakdown and then is like, yeah, I feel way better now than last year. I've never been so prepared to buy all of it. Not to mention that the Eagles lost in this. is Didn't the Eagles have the most offensive line combinations? They had like 14 and 16 games or something. Meanwhile, the Colts yeah. have one of the best offensive lines in football. Whether it's going to happen, I have no idea. I will talk myself into it in about two hours because so, <laughs> I just I don't think the Colts make this trade unless Frank Reich, the coach of the Colts, goes to Chris Ballard, the GM of the Colts, and says, I know how to fix this guy. They're idiots. They let they don't know what happened over there. We can fix him. And then he's like, oh, snap. I, it's such an easy one to buy into, in my opinion, that I, I kind of think it's going to work, to be honest with you. I agree with you in part. I will explain the part that I don't agree with in that after. But the part that I think you're spot on about is that they have to believe that he can get better to have wanted to do this, right? No one, there is not a team in the NFL that wants 2020 Carson Wentz playing for them. Can you imagine so if they're Frank like, I think he's going to get worse, but let's make the trade. Let's do it. We need a quarterback. He's not last in second it. to last. We want him to drop below Dwayne Haskins. Innovative. Frank Reich knows Carson Wentz really well. I would trust him to have a list of things that they can do to improve his play. Like we talked about, I think it is not a schematic issue as much as it is an emotional issue, a confidence issue. His So those 50 sacks, 40 of them were on extended dropbacks, according to Next Gen Stats. So that's four plus seconds that lead to those. 
Yes, Indy has a much better offensive how line. How many of the how many of the fifty? Forty. Forty of the forty oh of the fifty. It's a lot, which is insane. Well, maybe that's what happens when Greg Ward, who is like former AAF receiver, becomes like one of their more reliable players. Right. And these things, these things compound each other, right? Because you don't trust the personnel that's around you. So you're so much more likely to tuck the ball down and, and run around back there. And of course, then you get sacked because you have a beat up offensive line and they can only do their job for so long. That said, in 2017, when Wentz was dealing, he was making tight window throws. He trusted his playmakers. He was willing to go for it. I don't believe that those skills have deteriorated. It doesn't just make sense. I, I think it's so mental. And we'll see how much working with Reich, who he knows and trusts and wanted to go play for, Carson Wentz was not mm. interested in staying with the Eagles. That's a big part of this. Plus having a better infrastructure around him and other players that hopefully he feels more willing to rely on. That should go a long way. I don't feel that it's a smart prediction that it would go to the 2017 all the way because the Colts roster is not as good as that Eagles roster was. It's very good, yeah. but that Eagles roster was impeccable. Well, to your point, I think that the Eagles, so much of this comes down to, we can now have to, or will end up relitigating the Eagles Super Bowl run. I was just talking to a couple of Eagles fans I know about this trade. And, and one of the things that comes up is, you know, Doug Peterson gets so much credit for putting together the staff and running up in that Super Bowl run. And obviously Frank Reich leaves. He's the offensive coordinator, John DeFilippo, quarterbacks coach leaves. And that was such a good staff. And it's like, well, what did Doug Peterson do? Did he just hire the best offensive staff? And then those guys left and he, you know, maybe was flying a little too high on the fumes of the Super Bowl win and then was kind of quickly over his head when he didn't have the fallback of like, wow, he has great people working under him. Because it kind of seems like that's what happened, right? Because the fact that now... Wentz is going back to Reich with the offensive coordinator. I think that the allocation of it just comes back to who gets credit, right? And sometimes credit can be a disease, but the reality is that something like a Super Bowl run is a collective collaborative project behind coaching staff and offense and quarterbacks. And I think that the fact that Peterson's gone, Wentz is gone, the Eagles have to build this whole thing from scratch. And I'm really interested to see if Wentz just looks like Wentz again. I think it'll be pretty amazing. And like the whole mean, Super Bowl run right? will look like what is looking like Wentz? Because if if That's what needs point. to happen is for him to look like 2017 Carson Wentz, that's probably not happening. Because by the way, that's not every year of Carson Wentz's Eagles tenure that wasn't an unmitigated disaster like this past one was. He still wasn't that guy. That guy that's only the, existed for one season. I also feel like Wentz has a little bit of, for lack of a better term, like big man on campus syndrome in that. Every place he ever went, like obviously you're North Dakota State, he's the best player in the field in every game, and that he just kind of has to make big plays. That's kind of what Josh Allen did in college, right? I think that now we look back at Josh Allen at Wyoming, and it's like, well, why is his completion percentage like a coin flip? Well, it turns out he was trying to do some wild stuff all the time, and his mentality was kind of just, you know, trying to make big plays. And I think Wentz, what was crazy was he got to the NFL, which is, you know, how are you going to go from North Dakota State to the NFL? And almost immediately, he was unbelievable. I'm like third and long and making these plays happen. He looked like, um, like, like a Roethlisberger. He was Roethlisberger, the best third like down quarterback in the NFL that year. And that's the thing. And that that's not sustainable, right? That's there. It's it's almost like a hot shooting streak in basketball. Like to just yeah, third and seven and longer, just converting like fifty percent or whatever the hell the Eagles did in when he was 2017. Is that like who he is? Not really. Like that's not possible. Like with the exception of like Patrick Mahomes, no one's just converting third and tens all the time. And it's almost. The idea of like, oh, when's the 2017 form? It's starting to feel like this 
Like Craig Horlbeck, who I do the Ringer Fantasy Football Show, always says that Love the, him. the Wentz stuff from 2017 is starting to feel like the, you know, I could have made it pro, if, you know, not for my knee in high school. You know what I mean? It's like, how much longer are we going to talk about this thing from four years ago? So I do think this is a big season because you're to your point, like, what what is this like mythical? He didn't even win the MVP that year. It wasn't. So I think to your point, the important part is he's got the scaffolding around him. He doesn't have to do it all himself. And whatever you want to criticize about Wentz, he had to do everything himself the last two years. Don't forget that the Eagles in 2019 were one of the most injured teams I can ever remember. Their receiving core was hilariously hurt. I mean, it's not funny that people got hurt, but the name scrolling through them and seeing how you'd never heard of any of them was kind of funny. It was insane. The line was hurt. Everyone was hurt. And then this year it was just as bad, if not worse. It happened all again. They never had a line. They never had blocking. This now the Colts have all of, they have scaffolding. They have young, good receivers. They got Paris Campbell. Who knows what happens to T.Y. Hilton? He's um, obviously he's hurt, but John, uh, he is a free agent. But Jonathan Taylor is really good. This is a strong team with a strong mm-hmm. coaching staff. Great quarterbacks coaching uh, Marcus Brady. This is a good team. And I think that he could succeed because I don't think he's one of those players who's going to just elevate the whole team. But I think he can work really well with the people around him. And he's got good people around him. And if he doesn't, the other thing that I really like about this for the Colts, they can get out of this with no dead money after next year. The financial hit is going almost exclusively to Philadelphia. Compare it to the golf trade. L.A. had to pay Detroit. They had to take a dead money hit themselves, but they also had to pay Detroit draft capital to take on the rest of Jared Goff's contract. Yeah, for the people who's like me, whose eyes glaze over with all the salary stuff that I, you know, it's just so annoying to explain accounting to you people. Calling but me boring. You, you, the words came out of your mouth. The, <laughs> the, but basically, the the teams pay these guys the signing bonus and salary, both count against the salary cap. The Eagles gave Wentz the signing bonus, so they still have to account for the for the that on their cap. The Colts, one of the benefits they get here is they're paying one salary, but the cap, the signing bonus salary cap stuff is the Eagles' problem. They, the Colts don't have to worry about that. So I think, roughly speaking, Wentz is going to cost the Colts like $25 million a year or so. And it's really simple. If he's good, that's a bargain. And if he's not, that's too much. But it's pretty going right. You know, that's what the 49ers play Jimmy Garoppolo. Wentz has obviously proven he can be better than Jimmy Garoppolo, $25 million a pop. So it's a really good deal. The Colts should compete in the AFC South. I think it's a, a great for them. And Chris Ballard, the GM, did a really good job of putting protections on the pick. I think it's, he has to play like 75% of snaps, and then the second rounder comes a first rounder. But considering the Colts are going to be picking, they're going to make the playoffs, right, you would think. So, you know, that's pretty fair. If you well, get if your they, quarterback so for a late 20s pick. if they make the playoffs, pick, then Wentz only has to play 70% of the snaps. But right, it's so essentially it's the same thing. Can he play 12 games? That's the question here. If you get 12 games out of Wentz and he doesn't suck and you fix him, whatever fixing it means, it's a good deal. And then the Eagles, I don't think it's a good deal. It's not that simple. I think it's a good deal if when you factor in that internally they wrote him off as a sunk cost and this is what, and now they have options. And I think that also, really important to know, I want to just reiterate that week 17 thing, they got like just destroyed lampooned for it. The for. Side felt lampooned. I don't know what lampoon means, to be honest, but it's, a, it's fun to like say out skewered. loud. Rolls off the tongue, lampoon. But lampoon doesn't sound like you're skewering. Skewer sounds like the word, like you skewer someone. Lampoon, it's so funny. You know what? It's I like, actually, that was a bad, um, that was a bad synonym because lampoon is more make fun of than. Oh, okay. Kill. Yeah, I was like national lampoon. I don't know. That was before I was born. The point is that everyone made fun of the Eagles for this Nate Sudfeld thing. Guess what? It could change the trajectory of their franchise if, they, you know, maybe they don't have to throw in an extra first round pick because the, the team, 
that they deal with likes who's at six but wouldn't like who's at 11. It was kind of a good idea, and they just had to suffer like a week of national embarrassment over it, and Doug Peterson got fired, but whatever, it worked. I'm still mad that you wouldn't make a prediction on who wins the hypothetical quarterback battle between Jalen Hurts and Trey Lance so that we could bring it up later and lampoon you with it. Call back. Call back. I'll get lampoon. Call. So it, but it, it, it's okay. Yeah. We'll forgive. I think the thing that's interesting that ties together everything that we're talking about is North Dakota is, State. <laughs> it's not North Dakota Call State. Back. That's a that's a different podcast. What ties it together for me is that we're having this conversation about quarterback value, right? And the value of this trade and who won the trade and is it good for Philly? Is it good for Indianapolis? And I think we media won the trade. It. There was nothing going on. We are the winners of this. We had nothing to. I mean, my God, nothing was, fun was going on this week. Content always gets a W. Yeah, and content's we love the winner. It. Yeah. The thing that's interesting to me, most interesting, is so we have both of those quarterbacks. Goff and Wentz. Also, Jameis Winston and Marcus Mariota, the number one and two picks from 2015 and 2016, they could all start for different teams than the ones that drafted them next year. And we'll see what happens. But it does make me think about two sort of pieces of prevailing wisdom that I think we've heard about quarterbacks a lot over the last few years. One, was the idea, and I think um, Goff and Wentz really were the figureheads of this, the idea that you get a, you draft a rookie quarterback and you go all in around him while he's cheap and be super aggressive in that window. Both of those teams did that. One of them won a Super Bowl, not with Wentz playing the game, but the Eagles still won a Super Bowl. The other team made a Super Bowl. They lost it, but they still made it there. So I would say that they were successful in that approach. The other piece where I think it gets a little bit more complicated and it complicates how we grade this trade, look at it from both sides, is the idea that if you have your guy, if you found your who you think is your guy, a quarterback, just extend him, just pay him. You're going to have to because that's where the market is. And within a couple of years, it's going to be a bargain. Because I think that was a lot of the prevailing sentiment around both of those contracts, and that did not come true. And I wonder if we are approaching a point, a couple other data points that would that you could maybe use to illustrate this were the Mahomes contract being extremely large, but not precedent changing, not revolutionary in the same way that I think some people expected it that expected that it might be. And we'll see what happens to guys like Lamar Jackson or Baker Mayfield, how much those teams end up being a little bit spooked, maybe, by the Wences, by the Goffs. I wonder if we are hitting the limit on, oh, you can just pay a quarterback anything and it'll be fine because it's so much more important than anything else. And that's hypothetical and we need more information to figure out if that's really the shift, but go ahead. What do you think? My mind goes to two places as you're speaking. I think the first one is what's the other news of the 24 hours in the sports world, right? It's Fernando Tati signs for $340 million to play for the Padres for 14 years. He's like, what, 22 years old? He's four years from free agency, and they gave him $340 million. It's incredible. And I think that there was a quarterback-esque like uh, spot to that. Bobby Wagner, one of the pod producers here, told me, I was like, "What? why is this happening? He's like, it's the Mahomes contract. And I'm like, okay. And I still don't get it, to be honest. But 
the quarterback thing I think you're getting at is basically all these. It was like, how do you build a Super Bowl team? Well, the Seahawks did. The, they had a cheap quarterback and then they filled out the rest of the team. They spent the money on the rest of the team and it worked. Right. And all these other teams are trying it. The Chiefs won a Super Bowl with Mahomes that way. And then the Rams made the Super Bowl, as you just said, and the Eagles won a Super Bowl. I'm like, all right, I guess that's how you got to do it. Cheap quarterback, rookie deal. And then the question of these modern team building, which I can't believe I just said that sentence out loud. But the question of modern team building is what happens when the quarterback's deal is up? Do you pay the quarterback? and have to make sacrifices elsewhere in the roster, or do you just get another one? And I think that the hard part is that well, these or, teams are... Or, I'm sorry to cut you off, but or do we have to acknowledge, and potentially if you're a team, plan for the uncertainty in quarterbacks right now. There are more... I think this. I think the floor on quarterback play in the NFL, because teams have gotten better at taking college talent and making it work with what their skill sets are, the floor is higher... But I think we have to acknowledge that the the ceilings that we assign to these guys pretty quickly based off their high watermarks, the success rate with that is not looking so hot right now. I, mean, yeah, the, I, I cut you off, so I want you to no, finish your fine. point. No, it's fine. It's fine. I think the, the, my, my issue with your logic is that you're being rational and logical. This is an emotional decision. We can talk about numbers and cap hits and money all we want. The reality is, is the starting quarterback of a franchise, with the, the, the customers are called fans like fanatics, like it's an emotional ass decision to get rid of your quarterback. It's kind of like being in a relationship. You can be all logical and rational, but do you really want to be alone? Do you really want to be without a quarterback? It's scary. How are you going to find, am I ever going to be as good as this? Will I ever feel as complete? Like maybe there's more, but maybe it's a me problem. Could I be doing more in this relationship? And that's really hard, right? And it seems like, oh, well, you know, I wanted kids by 28 and blah, blah, blah. None of that factors in your brain of like, it's really hard for the Rams to be like, wow, we just made the Super Bowl. But, you know, Jared Goff really isn't great at reading defenses. You know what? We're going to get rid of him. What? You're going to break up after the Super Bowl? It's not really... Who can who actually can do that? And I think that the maybe, maybe the Rams and Eagles end up serving as cautionary tales for these teams to not sign huge contracts. But the reality is it's really hard to figure out success, right? Like we can sit here and at the end of the day, football is a results-oriented business. We laud the winners and talk about how smart they are. We pillory the losers, make fun of them. But the reality is when you have to get down to like the Rams, I think the Goff is my favorite example because they made the Super Bowl. They didn't score a touchdown. They lost in the game. And then they give Goff this huge contract, McVay, less need, get matching contracts, like matching tattoos, basically. And then so cute. You could, it's easy to say, well, that was a mistake. But that requires actually breaking down your organization and saying, why are we successful? What's actually happening here? Same thing with the Eagles. Did the Eagles after the Super Bowl do a 360 and be like, who's actually good? Oh, I guess it's not Doug Peterson. Frank is the guy in charge. I get... It's hard to know why things happen. And I know that's such a freaking vague and stupid thing to say, but it's true. It, understanding your success include, in, involves understanding why things work the way they do. That's really hard. And to understand how much of a role your quarterback plays in your success and how much you should allocate is actually a really complicated question. I think that you add in the emotions of the fear of, like, what's scarier than having the right quarterback and then letting him go, right? That's what the Texans don't want to do with Deshaun. I don't think there's going to be some moment where they don't pay it. Because you know what? All it costs is money. They have plenty of that. It's way better than being alone. Well, it is the ultimate problem of <laughs> football and the ultimate fascination of football, right? Is the number of variables involved in success, involved in failure. It makes a conversation about arguably the most important variable on the team, which is who plays quarterback really, really fascinating because all the different pieces around it are, are 
Each and every one of them is a complicated factor. But like you just so eloquently said, Danny, cuffing season is coming to an end. It's hard to say goodbye, but we've seen another another turn on the quarterback carousel with this move. What do you think would be, and we'll go out on this, what do you think might be the next one? We've had Stafford, Goff, and now Wentz. Who's the next quarterback to move? Oh, I don't know who is next, but I, who will be next. What I want is I want Sam Donald to the Steelers. I think that that would just be good for Ooh. all sides. I think that I think there's a chance that Jets actually keep Donald, to be clear. I think that if as do everyone's I. assuming that the Jets are going to take a quarterback. I think that basically they could undo the Donald trade. Like the Donald trade was the Jets moved from six to the third pick. They could just move down to the Eagles, for example, who have the sixth pick and then collect the picks back and build a team around Arnold instead. I think that's possible. However, obviously, and then the Eagles have, take Trey Lance and yeah, exactly. him against. And then they just do the went straight again and time is a flat circle and McConaughey gif, et cetera. But I think that if the Jets do move on from Darnold, I think Pittsburgh's the best spot. They need a quarterback. I think that, you know, politely tapping Ben and be like, hey, like, can you go now? Like, this is over. Uh, and then Kevin Colbert obviously made the comment this week about, you know, Ben's like wants to come back and they're like, eh, chill. We're still we're still thinking about it. Uh, I think that. I just that would be my favorite thing. I also think Darnold's playing style would really work in Pittsburgh. But what do you what do you think is next? Well, I love that idea. I just want someone to give Ryan Fitzpatrick another giant bag. That's really all You're I care about. You're obsessed with Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> it's my favorite parlor game is who's going to give Ryan what Fitzpatrick you, another bunch of money. So what do you think of Fitzpatrick when the Dolphins played the Jaguars? They asked Fitzpatrick about Minshew's mustache and they're like, who has the better facial hair? And he said, mustaches are for men who can't grow beards. What do you think of that? So I think it's funny that you say that because when I logged on to do this podcast, I jumped in the Zoom and there was a discussion of um, shaving products and I was unable (laughs) to contribute because it's just on on the face. It's not something that I have a lot of experience with. Uh, I love that. That was a good pun. Did you mean that on purpose? Say again. You're like, oh, on the face of it. That was good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> there you go. It's a trick. I liked that they were going back and forth. I like I like Ryan Fitzpatrick's vibe. I like Gardner Minshew's vibe. I like to hear those two chop it up. But I will leave the beard and mustache expertise to those involved. That's Kevin Danny Heifetz, thank you so much for being here. You answered the call. You provided fabulous insight. It's been a joy to pod with you today. It has been a joy. And shameless plug, Ringer Fantasy Football Show. Check it out on Spotify. Yes. And on this feed tomorrow, Kaylin Jones and Danny Kelly are going to be going through Danny's mock draft. So that'll be fabulous too. love all this synergy. This has been the Ringer NFL show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network.